We would like to acknowledge that this podcast meeting is being held on Aboriginal land, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And we would like to pay respect to their eldest past, present and emerging and their multiple birth parents with children with disabilities. And today we're going on an excursion to All Things Equal Cafe. This podcast contains truth, laughter and the occasional F word, so it's not really suitable for children. Sometimes you just have to get your shits out. Shit, 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 shit. That's right, this is a language warning. Oh, shit. And we did go on an excursion, didn't we, we Mandy? We did. It was fun. We yeah. went in our car. We went to somewhere different. Yep. We left the outer eastern suburbs. Yes. <laughs> we... we- had a lovely, lovely, lovely coffee, tea yeah. and brunch. Yeah. So we've um, recorded this on my little recorder device that I use for the Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, I was nervous again that we <laughs> <laughs> pressed something wrong. But you're going to hear noise of a cafe because mm-hmm. we sat in there mm-hmm. with our two, our three guests. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we hope you really enjoy this episode. Yeah. So I think that what you should do is just pretend you're in a cafe. Like put your little AirPods, earbuds, headphones in and think I'm in a cafe with Kate and Mandy. You'll hear the the background ambience and you can imagine you're sipping my latte and really enjoy it. We really enjoyed chatting with them and we know you're going to love it too. Yeah. Okay, well, we are out on the road today, Peas. (laughs) We really are. It's a little bit rainy, but it was a lot sunny. So I've been tricked and I'm in summer clothes, but we are in a cafe. Yes, and so we are going to introduce you to two lovely women that we are meeting today, or you can introduce yourself. I'm Bianca. And I'm Jess. Lovely to meet you and thank you for having us. Um, Okay, well, we are going to ask you our three questions and then we'll get into why we're here and interview a few people, I think. So, all right, we'll start with you, Bianca. Do you have a song or a band that either picks you up in the good times or helps you through the down times? I think this is very niche, but uh, there's a rapper I like called Macklemore, and he has a, he has a song called Glorious. And I remember when I used to go for um, for job interviews, or I'm about to speak somewhere and I'm feeling slightly nervous, I just blast it, and it just changes my entire mood. So that's actually a really good song. So we have a two P's playlist on Spotify, so that song will go on there. And what about you? Do you have a song? I can't think of a specific song, but it has to always be Beyonce. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Queen. The Queen. I love her too, so yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and our next question is, did you win any awards at school? Um, the only award I ever won in school was in year three um, for leadership. Um, and then after that, I never won anything else. So <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but... Well, you had some early drive. You're being a leader. <laughs> yeah, very fun. What about you? Actually, it's just come to me. I ran, I won an award for an Italian poem I wrote in in, in Italian, but I couldn't recite it for you now. <laughs> I can only count to ten now. <laughs> Brilliant. That's still quite impressive. I think all the language I have is Je m'appelle Kate, and that is absolutely it. Okay, and our favourite question, why are you a part of the P community? 
Um, I'm part of the peak community because I feel that every single person in society deserves to have the same opportunities that everyone deserves to have and unfortunately um, that isn't the case for some people and I just want to be part of the solution um, to making making that change in one way or another. Perfect. And you? So I guess I've been part of the P community since I was two years old. Uh, My brother is profoundly deaf and has a cochlear implant. Um, So I went to a school where we had um, many students um, who were deaf and we, you know, from that really young age, we were going on camps together and all of that sort of stuff. Um, And then it's sort of been in the last five or six years that I've decided to bring that into my professional world as well and... Now everything I do really is about this world. So, okay, sorry, we'll break the coffee. <laughs> um, okay, so Bianca, do you want to tell us a little bit about where we are? Yeah, so, so we're currently sitting in um, All Things Equal Cafe on Carlisle Street in Balaclava. Um, we are a non-profit social enterprise that exists to bridge the gap between people with disability and the wider community. And we do that through providing um, purposeful award wage employment training and work readiness in hospitality-based settings. Um, we were established beginning of 2021 because there was, we found that there was a really big need um, for inclusive employment in our, in our local area. And ever since then, everything's just skyrocketed. We've got crazy wait lists. We've got an amazing community that's backing us. We, we see um, development and, and our staff members with disabilities um, absolutely excelling in what they do. And yeah, we're really advocating for, for something that's been such a taboo topic for so long. So we're start sparking dialogue around, around something that a lot of people just have no education around yet. And what is your role in, in this? Yeah, so I've been around from the start, so from the beginning of 2021, um, and I'm the I'm the general manager. So I do a lot of the the fun back end work, um, the the yeah the nonprofit side, um, and I'm yeah very lucky to to have Jess um, who's who's joined us um, about five months ago, and Jess is really leading the way, and really excited to to have her leading our team. And so, what does leading the team mean, Jess? Well, I guess um, coming to all things equal, so is my role is really about setting what is the vision for the future and how are we going to achieve that. So bringing together as a not-for-profit, we have a board of directors, um, plus we have a number of um, philanthropists and family foundations that support us and support the program work of what we do. Um, and then we obviously have a whole community of people, not just the individuals that we employ, and their families as well, who have to be a really holistic part and involved part of what we do. Um, but all of the customers that we have every day as well. So so there's a lot of stakeholders and a lot of people to bring along on the journey. When I first came here, uh, All Things Equal was really about providing that equal employment um, to people with disability. The majority of people that work for us have never had a job before and so this is their first opportunity in the workforce but we have a wait list of over 50 people and so and that's without us doing um any marketing work what's you know any marketing around that whatsoever or inviting people onto our wait list so now it's really about in terms of setting that vision for the future how can we open up those opportunities to even more people 
And so before I was at All Things Equal, I worked in um, other, worked with other work integrated social enterprises. And so that model is about how do you provide both the training, education and work experience all in one, but then set people up to move on to open employment. And so that's what we're looking at now. So rather than All Things Equal being a destination, it's actually a stepping stone out into the world and how can we build the community around us um, and a cafe is a beautiful way of doing that because we have people that come into the cafe and then contact us afterwards saying, how can we be involved? We'd love to see if we can be an employer, those sorts of things. So um, that's what we're working on now. So we're working on how can, how can we provide an experience and a level of education that sets people up to move out into the, into the big world of employment but still keep and retain part this community feel to what we do. So that's essentially what my job is. Yeah. Wow. I I can just imagine the absolute yay, I've got a job, I love working here. And then how do you say, yeah, but now we want you to go and work somewhere else? Like that would be yeah, really challenging. Yeah. Um, I think I think a, a really big issue um, in society is that too many people with disabilities lack any form of, uh, are never provided with enough consistency in their life. So they get moved around too often, or um, you know, people may not may not um, view view individuals as capable members of society. And so all of a sudden, we're here and we're providing this sense of you know real world work in with um, with real world experiences in a real world environment. And all of a sudden, we're saying um, you know hey, we actually, you know, want to support you to move on because we've got other people that, that want this opportunity. So um, it's definitely something that we, um, we're working through at the moment. And I think it's just about, um, yeah, setting the, setting the right expectations and really our goal is to support someone to be their fo- first foot into their career. So, if, you know, if we're remaining true to our values, that's just, that's just how it needs to be because we want, we want to get as many individuals... Um, into you know open employment and and being paid paid appropriately for their work, um, but to yeah to really actually grow what whatever success and whatever you know happiness looks like in their life into the future as well. So yeah. And can I just say that the that transition into open employment is actually happening anyway. So. Um, We've had three, so of the 25 people that we've supported um, in employment at All Things Equal, we've had three move into um, other work um, and actually had to say to us, thank you so much for the opportunity, but now I've got, you know, this full-time work elsewhere. Um, One of our star employees last week, he just um, secured a job with um, City of Melbourne and it's in a completely different role. it's a customer-facing role. It's in something that he really enjoys in terms of navigating around the city and things like that. He'll he'll keep working with us for some time, but that's happened of his own accord. So because yeah. he's built up his confidence and skills in the workplace here, he now has that capability to go and do that. So there's limited um, shifts that we can provide in a cafe anyway. So we can't provide necessarily the number of hours that someone's actually looking for to work. So we're providing that skills, experience, education at the beginning, and then that actually gives them what they need to go out into open employment anyway. So kind of what we're doing is already happening quite naturally, but it's just about doing it with 
with real intention. And I suppose, like I have a 21-year-old, 22 actually, she just turned 22-year-old daughter, and she works in hospo and is also at uni. But her, she's moved around in hospo and gone, oh, this doesn't work for me, that works for me. So it would be exactly the same. Like we just have these ableist views that, oh, that's not going to happen. But they're exactly the same age as that and they want to move there. I don't want to work here. I want to go and work near, I don't know, something that I enjoy. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and we're essentially trying to normalise the the experience of having a job. So you may not love your job. You may not love every component of your job. Um, something that was really... When, when we do our interviews with, with, with staff members, we talk to them about some of the, the roles and responsibilities and one of them may be that you're cleaning the toilets. And we've had some people to, that have said to us, oh, I, I would love to do that. And you've got others who say, absolutely not of interest to me. But that's, that's what having a job is. And there are things in my job that I don't love and there are things that I absolutely adore. And... Um, like I was saying before, we just need to be, um, you know, setting this real world yeah. up for individuals so that they can skyrocket into into whatever they want to do. Um, someone else that that, um, that that's worked with us, he was originally told by Centrelink that he was absolutely not fit to work, um, to the point where he he yeah he had too many he was told he had too many barriers towards employment. Um, and then we we employed him. He was mentored in our kitchen by our head chef and and, and our team. And now he has a full time job working in a school canteen so um and he said goodbye to us yeah yeah he left you yeah 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 yeah. so for us it's it's we look at success as the stories of our of our staff members and from where they are where they're going and and what their goals are um and we even individuals who haven't yet you know found more open employment we see them develop an unbelievable amount of skills here that are just awesome how did you get the idea? Did, has this been from somewhere overseas? Is there other things happening in Australia? Uh, so our founder is also the chair of our board. So his daughter, Tully, uh, was finishing school at Giant Steps and he decided that he really felt that there should be more opportunities out there for her um, rather than... You know, some of the, the yeah, typical the traditional, pathways, yeah. traditional pathways that we go down. Um, she loves cooking, loves being in the kitchen, always makes our muffins, and we're very appreciative <laughs> of that. Um, so it really came, sparked that idea from his personal experience and what he wanted to create for his daughter, um, and then also his deep knowledge of, you know, the community and the sector. So... Yeah. And, and when we first started, we thought this was going to be a really simple um, approach to inclusive employment. So we, we we were thinking to ourselves, okay, amazing. We'll start off with a cafe and then we'll open up a florist and then we'll open up a bookstore and an ice cream shop. And um, I remember we had a brainstorming session and the, the ideas were endless um, until we worked out that hospitality is actually quite difficult. And you've got this really interesting friction as well between hospitality and disability or inclusive employment and what that looks like. And so now... Now we're just really honing in and focusing in on how we can make this hospitality experience the, the most amazing opportunity for our staff because really the transferable skills that have that you can gain here you can then take with you anywhere um, and you're going to have to likely problem solve a lot more you're probably going to have to deal with more difficult customers at times in a cafe perhaps in comparison to other places so um, so yeah that was that was how we started um, and it's it's just grown from there yeah. I like the idea of all the shops as well but I can <laughs> say that's massive. We'll get there 
My daughter is in year 12 at a specialist school and she um, has done hospitality all the way along um, but now doesn't want to do it. So I can see how there's, you know, if this could be done in all sorts of ways, wouldn't that be magic? Because a lot of our friends really love hospitality. Yeah. And so does the cafe fund itself or does it require external funding? So um, we've got quite a complex funding model, I suppose. So um, the cafe supports about 30% of what we do. Um, Then we do have some NDIS funding. Um, so, and that NDIS funding means that individuals can come with their own support workers and, and there's all the work that we do in the background. So we do have contact direct with people's support teams in terms of their OTs, their speech therapists, all of those sorts of things. And we really want to make that a holistic experience. Um, and yeah, parents and families as well. Um, and then the third stream of funding is through philanthropy. Yeah. So yeah, so we've got family foundations, we've got... Uh, government grants you know whatever that looks like so um, in a traditional not-for-profit social enterprise so other work integrated social enterprises that exist that's generally the model as well in terms of trading revenue as well as um, philanthropy because there are all these like the mental health elements of what you do in a social enterprise are quite significant and can't be supported by buying coffee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so if we really want to create that holistic experience, we need we need each of those streams of funding to achieve that. Mm. So is that stressful? Are you constantly looking for money or are you fairly established in that? Um, we're still seeking partners in that area. So um, because we are about to set off, as I said, we've had two years of operating the cafe um, and that really being about equal employment. Now we're taking this step up to move more into an employment program and education-based piece of work. And that requires some investment to do it. So there are other social enterprises who are doing similar things. So um, you might have heard of Jigsaw um, or Australian Spatial Analytics. So different organisations who are who are following a path like this but it's also quite innovative in terms of the disability sector overall Um, so whilst there's others that we can learn from and integrate we're still doing something quite new and so yeah and so we do need investment to be able to set that up and 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 make it scalable so that we can actually create more opportunities for more people. I think, I think something else that we should mention is that we don't just run this cafe in Balaclava. Yeah. So we run we run this cafe, which is essentially like our flagship, it's our hub, it's what people know us for, but there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes as well and, and in the community. So we run um, a smaller style cafe in an aged care facility in Windsor, down the road. Um, we run a football club canteen with a local footy club. So we just launched that again for this the year on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, which is just an awesome way to connect um, all things equal with the community and with an entire sporting community. It's it's amazing, and we just sell the classic canteen-style foods, some healthy, some not as healthy. Um, we Exactly. Um, we run a cooking school, which which we absolutely love, and we're really excited to relaunch it again um, next semester. And if, if there's anyone that, that's listening that would be interested in hearing more, um, we love we love chatting to, to people about that. Um, and we're actually also in the process of, um, of launching our catering component of All Things Equal, so... Um, which we're really excited for, and that essentially can also allow us to 
to support some more um, individuals with disability into award wage employment with us. So that's um, you know the type of things that we that we're wanting to work with with um, corporates and and um, local businesses and, and local organisations who have you know team meetings or maybe they've got a, a big event on. Um, and you know why not utilise all things equal and and um, and allow us to, to elevate what we're doing in, in that way as well. So there's there's a range of different things that we do, and I guess the, the biggest the biggest part of it and going on from what Jess was saying about having um, you know philanthropic partners in what we're doing is that we we are building an all things equal community as well. So we aren't just a cafe. We are building an entire community of people who are invested in what we're doing, who want to see us succeed, who want to support people with disabilities to get a job in whatever they want to do. And these are all, there are so many different ways that we can be supported and that people can join us on our journey as well. This makes me want to cry because as a mum, from the minute we had a, I had a diagnosis, I thought, is this, is she going to be able to work? All the silly things. Is she going to be able to drive a car? A lot of us go through some of those questions. And so now I'm approaching her turning into an adult. I know that the, the mums whose children are working here, whose adults, must the flow through to the family pride must be enormous. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a really big component as well. So we talk a lot about how we provide purposeful employment to people with disability, but we actually forget a really key part of that, which is every single other person in that in that individual's you know ecosystem that that is also their lives are being changed as well. So we get feedback from parents that say, you know, because of because of what you've offered offered my child. Um, now, now we actually get to sit um, and have dinner together. And when I'm talking about about my work and my husband's talking about their work, my son can actually be part of this conversation. And there's more responsibility that they're seeing, and there's more maturity that they're seeing. And it really, um, there's a sort of essentially that chain reaction um, that just starts from someone being given their first foot in the door. And that's literally that's that's what we're doing. It's just the first foot to to whatever else. And I know myself when I've had a good day at work or when something amazing's happened, it's the first thing I want to share when everyone comes home. We did this today. And if you've got nothing to share because nobody has employed you or even at times in my life when I haven't had work, I don't feel as, um, I don't know, I don't feel my self-worth is as high as it is. So, yeah, everyone's the same. We all want that. I, um, I always joke that my dream is that someone goes home and, and when their parents are complaining about their manager, someone's complaining about me. <laughs> Um, because because that's but that's actually a privilege yes. that people get to have good days and bad days in their yes. jobs and then we've got you know almost 2.2 million people in Australia who might want to be getting work and just don't have that opportunity even though they're absolutely deserving of being given that first chance as well so I mean when you talk about um, statistics like the unemployment rate for people with disability hasn't changed in 28 years yeah. that's wild that's a wild statistic yeah well it's because it's, I don't know I don't know the actual reason but for me it's because it's an invisible workforce that nobody talks about and so having things like all things equal having podcasts that just normalize each family is different every person's different and we all need different support structures in our work like if I worked here I've got a really bad knee I'd need a different support structure to somebody else but we don't think about that when we go for jobs and we don't have a noticeable disability so yeah I love that idea of people complaining about you <laughs> Because I bet they do. <laughs> oh, wonderful. 
Yeah, what we want to know is how did you go during during lockdown? Yeah, so so lockdown was was quite tricky. I mean, we essentially so we started we opened our doors January 2021. So if you're talking about what um, you know COVID looked like in Victoria at that time, we probably couldn't have started at a worse time. Um, but I think what's really exciting about us is that we haven't been around for 20, 30 years. So everything that we do is innovative. We can think outside of the box. Um, so we started. It was it was great. Then the big lockdowns hit and. We were running just sort of takeaway, but then we also launched our cooking school during that period. So we actually pivoted. We were considered an essential service. Um, people needed breaks from their parents. Parents needed breaks from from their from their children, um, and we essentially established one of our key components of all things equal during that period of time. So it was obviously difficult for us, um, but. One thing that I love is the fact that even during that period, um, since we started, so say two and a little bit years, we've provided over two hundred and dollars in wages, award-based wages. Award-based wages. So even during that period, we were still able to to find different ways to to have people get people into work, um, and yeah, that that's that's pretty cool for us. Now, lots of our listeners will understand how important an award wage is, but a lot of people won't. They won't understand that a lot of people with disabilities don't work for an award wage. Do you want to explain how that looks if you'd never heard of the fact that people with maybe an intellectual disability don't don't earn award wages? So um, a lot of people with disability who are working are working under volunteer arrangements in particular. Um, but there's also something called a supported wage, and that's with an Australian Disability Enterprise, an ADE. Um, and so that means that some people can be paid as little as sort of two or three dollars per hour for their work. Um, in terms of what we're doing here, it's about looking at well, what is your contribution to work, um, and how does that make you feel valued in the workplace? Um, and we just think that by providing award-based employment, one, it shows the individual that they're an equal part yeah. of the team, but also it means that we have equal expectations of yeah. that individual as well. So we're not a day service, we're not mm. a school, we're an employer. Yeah. And you're coming and you're being paid $30 an hour to work in a cafe, and that means that you get here on time, you wear your uniform correctly, you don't take breaks unless you're entitled to it. <laughs> yeah. You know, all of those things. And and so that's a really big step up. And mm. so um, we're not saying that other other ways of operating don't have their place. No, no. We're just saying that this is this is the standard that we're setting. Because we as we said, like our goal is to move people out into open employment. And so it's here that they need to learn what are the real expectations of work. Because in another job they're not gonna let you have a, a break after forty five minutes and you yeah. know, things like that. Yeah. So that's really important for us to do. And also just to really show people that what their value is and what they can yeah. contribute to the workplace. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I'm thinking because my daughter has the um, pension that then there's always this sort of worry about if they earn too much, then we'll have to lose the pension, stuff like that. I, I feel like that needs to be spoken about because I want her to be earning money and not be feeling hamstrung by what if she's going to lose her pension, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like that's a silent thing that people don't talk about. Yeah, yeah. So, so the pension's a really interesting one um, and I don't know if there's enough 
knowledge just yet on around like the DSP and getting paid for your work. What we say and what a lot of people believe as well is that it is if you are able to and you have the opportunity, it is always in your interest to also work and to be getting paid um, for all the you know all those skills and, and yes, sense of, of purpose. Um, but your DSP can go down slightly, but you will never lose your full DSP unless you are working, I think it's 30 or say 38 hours a week, something like that. So I don't know if people quite realise that and you're, you won't lose your DSP by working eight hours or 15 hours a week. Um, and yeah, that might be quite new for some people because this is just how it's always been. Yeah. But I think also there needs to be a process to this because the individuals I know who are on a pension and are worried about losing that pension, that is their single source of security. Yeah, it's a safety net. I know many people who have secured jobs and then the business has changed owners and then somehow that job is no longer available for them and stuff like that. So having that pension underlying, I can understand why you would why you wouldn't want to lose that like that's that's absolute surety and so I think it's really important for us to like be able to move over time towards something that really where the pension can really recognize like properly recognize the value of what work is and not impact that yeah 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 I don't know precisely what that looks like but it's really important for us to move towards that because we want people to work, not yeah, be penalised yeah. for working. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, it is huge. And I know, you know, for people who worked during um, the lockdowns and got job seeker, job keeper, sorry, they got job keeper, they could just put their hours in and the job keeper was guaranteed for that time. But, oh, this week you worked enough hours, you didn't get it, but next week you'll still get it. You didn't have to then justify that I need this money in six months when I lose my job that I still, uh, you know, like there needs to be a really, really simple system. But anyway, I mean, who can solve this but four women having a coffee? (laughs) I mean, look, to be totally honest, if you want to see proper change... You know, there could be four women over a coffee that can actually have yeah, that change. Well, that's right. Look um, at what you're doing. Yeah. And, and you can see, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I guess in like the local area um, that, that we're based in, there's some pretty unbelievable organisations that support people with disability. And they've all come from literally people sitting oh, around having yeah. a chat yes. and not just having a chat about it, but then thinking, okay, great. Now, how do we make this happen? How do we actually, you know, be solution focused in this? Yes. And we've seen some some amazing advancements. And I think... We're really lucky um, in, in our local area to have these organisations that exist. And I know from families, you know, you're talking recreational, you're talking employment, you're talking theatre, um, you know, amazing support work agencies. Like, there's yes. some, it's, it's really, we're very lucky. I think we're all lucky, actually. She said a lot of us don't know what's lying underneath the surface. So just say Mandy and I were like, okay, we want to start a, um, a gift shop that focuses in sensory things and really awesome kid things that our kids love. How many years did it take from the person thinking, I want to do this till this cafe? Actually, yeah. How long? I think it's uh, you can take however long you want to take and yeah. however long you need. But from our end, I think it was about six months. Wow. I, our, our approach to this was let's just get started. Things won't be perfect. I mean, <laughs> that sounds the Mandy. <laughs> <I approach. laughs> that is my approach. Um, you know, two and a half years later, we're still not perfect, and we will never be yeah, perfect. That's but right. all we can do is improve and improve and improve. Um, 
or there might be another approach that is, you know, you take your time, you get all your structures and processes in place, and that can also be incredibly beneficial. So, um, anything you want to add, Jess? I would just say I'm, I'm, I have a social enterprise with my brother as well, and that's been about 18 months, I think, but it was like another 18 months before that of ideation and, you know, working together, and it's, it's very, it, it's slow in the sense yes. of because we're like gathering all our information and he's still working full time and yeah. all of those parts. So I think sometimes when you listen to people starting businesses or stories and things like that, it can seem like things happen really quickly. No. But yeah. often, like, the idea has to kind of germinate yes. for yeah, a long time so. before yeah. it comes to fruition as well. So. And I think if it's just me starting a business, selling flowers, whatever, that's one thing. But if I'm bringing other people in that's going to impact their lives, I probably want to do it right. I think as well in terms of, you know, you were asking earlier about the complexity of our funding as well. Like yeah. there are, I have a finance background, so I do think through all of those yeah. things. And, um, you know, uh, I, I would highly encourage any, anyone to, if you've got an idea, give it a go but also really think through all yeah. of those elements so yeah. that you can be setting yourself up for success. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, our approach to what we do, we've, we've got some standard processes and structures in place, but we've also got an individualised approach. So we, we work with our staff, with, with their families and, and their support team, as Jess said. Um, and that also takes up, that takes a lot of time because yeah. we want to get this right. We want to set everyone up yes. for success in their own way. Yeah. We have a bunch of different workplace accommodations and resources in place that you wouldn't just be getting in a standard place yeah, either. So yeah. um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot that goes into it. And yeah. I think that's probably the same in, in any social enterprise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's it, there's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I can think of all the lots. I really, really can. <laughs> but I think, you know, Mandy and I always say, um, tricky isn't bad and hard isn't bad. And we've sort of conditioned in our society to go, well, that sounds hard or that sounds tricky. Oh, who cares? It's actually awesome. The results from some tricky and some hard are really, really good. So I'm proud to live in this time in Australia. You know, when there's people like you and the family that started this that has a vision because five years ago it didn't exist. So I think the world is going to be a brighter place for my children anyone who's coming up into young adulthood as well so yeah I think it's fabulous yeah. one thing that helps me is because um, I'm very personally committed as well as professionally yeah. committed to what we're doing um, I don't I actually find the challenges quite exciting yeah. like rather than uh, probably in in a past life when I was in more traditional corporate sort of thing if I got something wrong I'd be really hard on myself whereas mm. here I'm like okay, well, we just learned from that and then, yeah. okay, so how are we going to do it better and what's the next step and just find it exciting rather than yeah. rather than the other way around. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, having... Bianca and I have very high standards of ourselves but I think also being accepting along oh, the way yeah. of, like, trying new things and you wouldn't get anywhere if you were scared so no. yeah can I just ask about like the fit out like it's gorgeous but who is in charge of like you know like the designs and yeah and how did that work for the individuals that were going to be working in here like what sort of accommodations did you think about or didn't you 
Yeah, so so the, there's a lot of accommodations that we that we have in place that we can we could control when we first started. There's still a bunch of things that we still would really like to see. So we've got a ramp here, um, but it's a, a ramp that we put out and and we have to remove. We don't yet have an inbuilt ramp, which is obviously what we want to see. We want to have accessible bathrooms. Those type of things seem to be far more complex than what we originally anticipated. Um, so they're just things that we're working through, and that's what I mean about us continuing to improve on what we're doing. Um, but in terms of the fit-out, I guess our approach to this was we want this to be a fresh, typical cafe in Melbourne, um, and hopefully we're doing that. Um, but, yeah, we want this to be vibrant, we want this to be fun, we want this to be age-appropriate, so we've got a lot of colour in what we do and our branding and all, and all those sorts of things, but really we're looking at this as a place that is bubbly and welcoming and, and kind to everyone that, that visits us and... and um, Hopefully our fit out can can yeah. demonstrate that as well. Yeah, we will put photos up on all the social media peas, but it's very very cute. And it's got neon. I'm obsessed with neon at the moment, and it's got a very cute neon sign which I'll take a photo of. So yeah, and it's in a good spot. There's trams out the front, and there's you know, it's a good location. So yeah, I mean. From our end, how cool is it that our biggest competitors are just other cafes on this street? Yeah, like what? A, that's it's awesome. Um, so that's yeah, we're just a standard cafe on Carlisle Street that's competing to have the best coffee in Melbourne, and we just happen to have people in our team that have disability and some who happen to not, and that's that's literally it. And yeah, on a personal note, I feel absolutely privileged to be in the position that I am here, and don't know if I'm you know um, able to change the world, but I, I just want to be part of the solution, and this is. My, this is my way of doing it for now, but um, yeah, it, all things equal is um, we're on a really exciting journey and we're, we're literally just getting started. So. We're going to see if we can interview someone who's working here, but just before that, we might wrap up with us. I just want to know what is one thing you want to tell our community about all things equal or one thing that you want the world to know or two maybe? Um, I really want all people to know that people with disability are ready, willing and absolutely capable of working and every single person can get a job that is meaningful and purposeful. People with disability are not the, in inverted commas, the issue or the challenge or the barrier. It's us in society, you know, the social model of disability, what environment do we need to create, what accommodations do we need to put in place to make sure that we can set people up for success. So I think if we change our mindset, we can really change the way that people with disability experience the world. Um, and it's up to us as individuals and hopefully, you know, everyone that listens to all your podcasts, um, finish listening to them with a bit more of an education and then it's essentially our responsibility every every listener's responsibility um to to then you know slowly and slowly continue to do better and and improve yeah and you <laughs> just what comes to mind is um you know my brother's words and he always says i just i want people to know that our potential is limitless yeah. and so we always talk about the limitless potential of people with disability and I just think it's so true. Um, my brother alone is an incredibly talented individual um, who shouldn't and isn't boxed away and um, the same as every individual that we have working here, they have their own unique talents that bring this place to life and when you work, walk into all things equal there is a buzz that takes yeah. over and that's because of those people and um, yeah so I just think that 
limitless potential is just so true and it's you know in all of us it's our responsibility to find out what is that potential and how do we take it to a new level and new height so very very true yeah call to action and if you're in melbourne then you have to come here and you have no excuse we will not accept any reason why you haven't popped in for a coffee because it's really cool well we have one of the employees here would you like to tell us your name my name is Paul Rami. And how long have you been here at All Things Equal? How long? Um, for two years. And what's your favourite thing to do here when you work here? Is it making the coffees, taking the orders? Uh, I do take butter order and, uh, and I make people is, is smile in the face. <laughs> do I am beaming right now <laughs> do you have regular customers that come in yes we do we've got um, the few, the, a few people that come in and um, I just I just I just feel the people to come and they welcome in and how do you feel about working here I do I do love working here. It's a, uh, it's the best thing, and uh, and uh, we are in, in teamwork in a teamwork baby, yeah. and <laughs> and um, it's making me so uh, so happy. Yeah. And do you go home and complain about Bianca to your parents? No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't, I don't really complain about uh, Bianca. She's my she's just my best friend ever. <laughs> What is the worst job about your work here? The worst job. Um, I don't. I don't have. I don't. I don't have anything worse up here. No, I don't. That's amazing. And I love this job here too. Do you have any dreams for when you might leave here one day? One day. Um, I don't want to move. Uh, one day to um, to across by. In Sydney or in a, a Gold Coast. Uh, you want to live somewhere else? That's for one day. Oh, one day. Yes. Yeah. Travel. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us. We're about to order and we can't wait to taste this delicious food. Thank you so much. And you're welcome. Yeah. And I'm so happy to see you. You're very happy mood. Yeah, I am in a very happy mood. You are right. Thank you. Wow. It so, was so good. So good. It was lovely to be there and to see their words in action. Yeah, and go. Yeah. I know we, we asked you, but if you live in or around Melbourne, you can get there and it's just a really nice cafe. Yeah, and if you're someone who's got money, you want to give them some mm, money. Give or, them money. You know, and, and just think about the idea of that. Mm. How amazing if the world had more of these places. Oh, how amazing. <laughs> yeah. The world would be a I would place. feel easier about my daughter yeah, turning yeah, yeah. 18. Absolutely. You know? And it's 50 ju- people on the waiting list. That's yeah, because it's incredible. It is incredible. Yeah. 
We had a really lovely time. We're so grateful that they gave us their time. Yep. And we will follow their story and we will keep you updated on any of their yes. exciting things. The show notes are packed with things that yes. you can engage with. Go follow their Instagram. Use their catering, like yes. all sorts of things. Yeah, if you've got a dinner in Melbourne and you live in the area, probably even if you don't live that close, they will come and cater for you. So, And they also use their space. You can, you can you know, rent it. Re- use their space. So yeah. parties, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah so go for it. Use it. All right. And as we mentioned, we think you've probably heard this already. We're not doing our cry laugh differences anymore. We'll say it a few times. We are doing them. We're going to keep doing them, but they're not going to be in our Thursday episodes. They're going to be in our snap peas. Yes. Because we're being really organized Mm. and doing lots of episodes, banking them up at the Mm. moment. So that's the reason. But anyway, we're still doing it because we always need to look for the laugh cry make a difference in our lives. But we like them to be relevant to what's happening at the time. So there's no point talking about succession when it's been six months after it ended, you know? (laughs) So we're just going to keep it because we are relevant women oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so we're going to put them in because we normally record a snap pee on a thursday put it out on a monday that's right that's as relevant as you can get in our life so anyway keep rating and reviewing us go to our website buy our book all the things order booklets yep do all the things please yep see you next week see you bye